The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Ogbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kuwale Ogbayani, and we have Paul Brecht making the ha- magic happen this morning. Oh, hit number one over there. Right on the corner, bottom right corner. Hi. <laughs> Woo! We're rocking and a rolling. Live radio, folks. Good to have you with us this morning. Hope you had a fabulous weekend. Uh, once again, just a little. Hope you guys are driving safe out there, staying dry. I know Paul made his way in here um, battling the rain on his moped. So I must give you a shout out and happy to, to see you here half dry. But we will get you a rain jacket because you need one of those in Hawaii, especially. I mean, this weather has been really odd. Like, I feel bad for a lot of our visitors that have been coming over within the last month or so because this they haven't gotten any sunshine. Um, but other than that, please, everyone, just drive safe. Arrive safely to your destination. That's all we can say. And yeah, just sunshines and rainbows. Uh, that's you know. that's what Hawaii normally brings, sunshine <laughs> and rainbows. Uh, but yeah, definitely a strange month when it comes to weather. A, li- a little bit more, well, I should say a lot more rain uh, than in the entire year, I should say, since I've been able to live out yeah. here. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. Definitely keeping me clean, <laughs> keeping me cool as I head into uh, work each day. That's true. Keeping the plants watered and uh, keeping the roads watered. Anywho, all right, so we're going to get to a lot of stuff today, Uh, talk some UH basketball as we have the men's and women's teams in the Big West Conference Tournament this week out in Henderson, Nevada, which I will be at. Uh, I'm excited. I leave tomorrow afternoon, which is kind of funny when so many people take Hawaiian Airlines to go to Las Vegas because as expensive as they are to go there, they have like the best times and they have like the direct flight that goes there. So, I mean, we have no choice. I mean, I guess you have a choice, but you'd rather just get there directly and times that are convenient. So I didn't even know. But then from within the la- the 24 hours that I booked my flight, which was just like last week, Friday, uh, I know a few people that are on the same flight already heading out there. So <laughs> it's going to be the party plane heading to Las Vegas because it's the flight that leaves here at around like four o'clock p.m. and then gets to Vegas just before midnight. So yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Although Wednesday will be a long day. I will still be in my show remotely, doing my show remotely as I normally do when I kind of go on the road, which I'll have this week and also at the end of March slash early April, when we'll be in Houston for the final four. So we'll talk basketball coming up a little later, but also recapping a little bit of what happened for the Rainbow Wahine Senior Night and hear from what Coach Beeman had to say after the game as well. Uh, We are going to get into a little bit of bad news to start off the show. Uh, But first, want to make sure we start off with good news and give some shout outs for what happened over the weekend. Uh, Hawaii Rainbow Wahine softball player in her first collegiate at bats, UH freshman starting pitcher Millie Fidge earned the complete game win and went two for two at the plate with the walk-off home run that ended the Mercy Rule game over Niagara in five 
innings. Shout out Millie Fridge. Uh, Koali Nishigawa, the redshirt sophomore wide receiver and walk-on from St. Louis High School, earned a scholarship from the University of Hawaii. So it was kind of cool because uh, Timmy kind of talked about it a little bit at the last practice last Friday and said basically that... I guess they have this thing where players have to go up in the front of their um, auditorium room and sing a song. <laughs> he didn't know what song to sing. And there's a there's like a video like board behind them, a big one. And, you know, it pops up the screen that you're on scho- scholarship. And then everyone goes, well, he turns around and then everyone like all the players come and congratulate him. So congratulations to Kuali Nishigawa. Gaia. You were out there too, and like he was talking about it. We have the video on our social media at High Sports Radio if you want to see it. Also going on, HPU softball sophomore pitcher Taylor Thompson tossed a shutout against nationally ranked Concordia University of Irvine to help the Sharks earn a 2-0 win over the Eagles. So fortunately, they did not get swept by the Eagles. We were out there Saturday, and they dropped both of those games in the doubleheader, but they escaped with one win. So shout out to our Shark softball team. And last but not least, starting off again with our good news before we get into some of our bad news discussions. Uh, Hawaii's Allison Corpuz shot 14 under to finish tied for third at the LPGA HSBC Women's World Championship in Singapore. Ayaka Furu and Danielle Kang uh, also tied with her. So there was a three-way tie for third, but they each receive $98,000 or just over actually. It's like $98,047 or something of the $1.8 million purse. Korea's Jin Young Ko shot 17 under uh, for the for the outright victory, and American Nelly Korda shot 15 under for second place. So shout out! There's our there's our Monday morning recap of the weekend, talking about all the positive vibes. We'll also get into some NFL uh, combine recap. Tell you about some of how the local guys did in that as well. But first. <sighs> The part that pains me to talk about this <laughs> uh, coming out over the weekend uh, because this person was someone that I like knew personally as he took over the helm when I was there in Midilani High School. So I'm not sure uh, how many of you have seen the news or the star advertiser over the weekend, but former Mililani athletic director has been accused of stealing from the boosters. So he's also the or former athletic director and also a baseball coach at Mililani High School and was indicted by an Oahu grand jury Friday for allegedly stealing more than $400,000 from the school's athletic booster club between 2015 and 2021. So it's crazy because, you know, obviously since that's, the high school I went to, he was the athletics director while I was there. And so naturally, a lot of my friends like from high school, everyone's texting each other like, um, did you see this? Did you see this? And yep, sure enough, uh, it was kind of crazy to see that it was him. So a bench warrant in the amount of $500,000 was issued for his arrest. It's, it's interesting, though, because originally we saw a Hawaii News Now article or report that said he stole $60,000 or just over $60,000. And then this one, the Star Advertiser report comes out later and says $400,000. So I don't really know um, which one is 
correct per se because I did look up the the actual case ID because all of that stuff is public record. And according to the indictment, there are multiple a mix of like class B and class C f- felonies. There's eight of them, to, uh, total counts, and the money are twenty thousand. There, there is around sixty thousand, like in twenty thousand dollar chunks, three twenty thousand dollar chunks per count, uh, or per the three counts. And there's a couple of counts that are around seven hundred dollars. So on the actual indictment itself, it is just over sixty thousand. So I don't know if there is just more like hearsay or whatnot that there. It's up to 400000 but that's not something that you make a mistake on a typo. So <laughs> I'm curious to see how this plays out. But first-degree theft is a Class B felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison and a $25,000 fine, while second-degree theft is a Class C felony punishable by up to five years in prison and a $10,000 fine. So as I mentioned, also, this is more of like the criminal justice side, that there are multiple counts. So should he be convicted for all eight, you're kind of like tacking on every single year and the fines. And it's up to the judge ultimately to determine what the punishment will be. And it actually stemmed from an anonymous tip from an athletic supporter in 2021 that led school officials to initiate an investigation of Mr. Nita and Mililani High School Athletics Booster Club, the finances. And yeah, it's just it's one of those like it hits close to home, man. Like because like I said, it's he was there when I was there by all accounts. He seemed like a great guy. I mean, it, during the time I was there is not when he was allegedly we got to make sure we say allegedly, <laughs> allegedly stealing uh, money from the booster club. So it's crazy. And a lot of the transactions, too, were done in Las Vegas. Nothing good ever happens in Las Vegas. Nothing good ever happens in Las Vegas. Either way, it is a disappointing story for sure. I can understand why, especially when it hits so close to home, uh, why it would be so jarring. Just because, uh, like you mentioned, everything that I read just preparing to you know talk about this a little bit yesterday, everything uh, pointed to Mr. Nita being... A, a good overall person, you know, a lot of good stories, anecdotes I read uh, from when he retired back in 2021. Uh, so it, it definitely is understandable that it would be jarring to see something like that. Yeah. And it's crazy because so he so the Booster Club and reading more into the details, because when I'm in high school, like you don't know anything about booster clubs. I'm just there to go to school and play soccer. <laughs> That's all I'm there for Mililani. Uh, basketball ended up coming up by chance when I was there, but I went to Mililani, go to school. It was a good school and it is a good school and they have a good soccer program. That's all I'm focused on, obviously, as a kid. And then so you don't really think about like booster club situations, especially in high school. So but the booster club was incorporated when I had just gotten to high school. So August 23rd, 2001, according to records kept by the Business Registration Division of the State Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs, uh, the club raised money, just like I know a lot of other booster clubs at different schools, because a lot of the public schools have their booster clubs. But it's, you know, they raise money via the concession sales at games and other fundraisers that are supposed to ultimately go back to the student athletes. His wife, however, was listed as the club secretary as well. So more of the neat, the details are is that he allegedly cut checks to himself and made cash withdrawals from the Booster Club account and used club money to cover personal expenses such as credit card bills 
the indictment said. The document describes a skimming type scheme in which Nita deposited cash and checks into his personal account within three days of deposit into the club account, which I was like, wow, how do you do that? I mean, not for personal reasons, obviously, (laughs) but I was just kind of like, wait, what? (laughs) Shows how much of a criminal I am because I was like, how do you even, what? (laughs) You can do that? Uh, But he is also reported, and this is where, this is another reason like why I'm like, all right, this is getting blown up more that not, not, Saying that it's getting blown up more than it should is not the right choice of words. But it's the part about he is also accused of failing to report and pay taxes on the stolen money. So guess what, people? Just because your money's stolen, you still got to pay taxes. How do you, you got to fill out that, that portion that says and other income and you have to put your stolen money in that little oh. blank box and make sure you pay your taxes Absolutely. on that. So once they find out you don't pay taxes, oh, then yeah. you're in big trouble. Now yeah, you're yeah. really going to come after you. It's, it's once they know about the money. Once the money that is missing, once they know where it went, then they're going to make sure that they get their portion of it. They, of course, being the government officials, the government who collects taxes. But that's why that's the part I had to chuckle because it was just like, oh, failure to report tax or report and pay taxes on stolen money. Hmm. It, it is <laughs> ironic. It's just it's yeah. very, very funny to sit here and think about. But, well, I'm definitely obviously going to follow this this case very closely and, and see what happens. So, I mean, since then, Mililani High School officials including of course principal fred murphy who actually by the way was the band director when i was there so i'm like principal wow you know it was only like five years ago when i graduated from high school so i don't know why how things change so fast (laughs) um but they are the last thing about this is that the current Mililani High School Athletic Foundation is a new nonprofit organization and is not affiliated in any way with the former Athletic Booster Club is what Principal Fred Murphy has said. So stick around, we'll follow this story. But when we come back, we will talk a little bit about UH basketball when we come back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kuwale Agbayani, Paul Brecht, making the magic happen for you on this Aloha Monday. Uh, hope you guys are all staying dry uh, and gloomy, but this is why you, you know, you tune into the show for your rainbow and sunshine. <laughs> Even in this gloomy days, we try to we try to bring it and bring a little bit of fun. But of course, as our previous segment, talk definitely about some of the serious issues as well. But first, let's recap a little bit more about what happened over the weekend with the Rainbow Wahine basketball team beating out UC Santa Barbara 68-58. Uh, it was a sweet win for the Rainbow Wahine, which now they will play be in the third seeded position, which I've been just given a text that the All Big West Conference honors do come out later this afternoon. So we'll see who has made, you know, first teams and second teams and all of that stuff. Uh, but first, want to play you before we kind of recap the game. Want to play you a little bit about what head coach Laura Beeman had to say following up their their 
their win. And then also she basically talks about closing out their final game. The seniors in Callan Spiller and McKenna Hare looking ahead now to the tournament. And of course, key players in that game like Lily Wahine Kapu and Imani Perez and a little bit more. So here is what Coach Beeman had to say. We've been asking for a full game, and I still don't think we played a full game, but at least we were able to close this game out. And we've been asking these young ladies to close games out for us. Um, and so for them to take that step after Northridge, and that was the conversation in the locker room, was, yeah, we won a game, but we lost the lead. We need to grow up. We need to grow up fast. And if, if you want to win in a tournament, you've got to keep leads. You've got to close games out. And I'm super excited that they showed up here tonight. That's exactly what they did. They kept the lead. They closed this game out. They did it the right way. We had different people step up. Um, you want to be playing your best basketball in March. And I don't think we're still playing our best basketball. But we played pretty dang good tonight to get to that first. And that's what we wanted. Talk about Callan and, and Mac and you know, what they've meant to this program for you, you know, for albeit a very short time and, you know, in reality. But, you know, what, what, is, what have they done for this program and for you know, their job last year was to do exactly what they did, come in and get our locker room right, use their voice, use their maturity, use their leadership, teach these youngsters how to be better leaders and better teammates, and they did it. Um, this year, I think they came in and said, okay, coach, the locker room's great, what do we do now? And it's more of the same. And also expand your role on the court, and they did both of that. Um, they have enriched my life in, in what they do as young women often on the court. They're truly remarkable. You don't get one person like a Mac and a Callan maybe in 10 years and I was fortunate enough to have two. Um, Coach, what did you make of um, you know the team's defensive effort after the first quarter? And you think that's something that can be carried over the next week? Has to. Um, you know, I thought we did a better job on the boards. You know, Alexis Tucker is a heck of a player. I think she's probably a, a candidate for player of the year along with Isla Lane. Um, I thought Callan Spiller and Nina and Amani were fantastic on her. I thought Amani was just great on Tucker and Melani McBee. I mean, what the heck? You know, she's she's scoring for us tonight. She didn't have one of her best scoring games, but I thought she did. She she executed the game plan very very well for us. And then, you know, we, we had a, a plan on certain players, and, and the girls did you know executed the plan brilliantly. So we we're gonna have to continue to focus in on that. Um, going into the tournament because now it's just putting things together quickly and making sure that you continue to execute. How do you feel about securing the, the third seed and uh, how that sets up your road to defending your title? You know, it's nice. Um, the, the way the Big West has worked, it came down to today to find out who the number one seed was going to be. You know, we took uh, Long Beach down to, what, 1.7 seconds and Irvine to two overtimes. So um, I personally, I think Davis is playing the best basketball in the conference right now. I think they're going to be a handful for anybody who sees them. So hopefully we won't see them until the championship game. Um, but, you know, taking third, I think that's great. Um, bottom line, you got to beat everyone if you want to win a championship. We've been there before both ways. So um, we just need to show up and play. What do you say about the way uh, Lily uh, kind of took over in that fourth quarter? She's a gamer. Yeah, Lily's a gamer, and this is this is her home. And so, there wasn't anybody that was going to take this game away from the Rebel. There was nobody that was going to say you're not going third. She wanted it. She put us on our back today, along with a couple other people. Um, Lily's going to continue just to grow and grow and continue to get comfortable in our system. And her her future here is incredibly bright. So incredibly proud of her. She does everything so quiet and just with a lot of humility. Um, but she took that game over, and that was beautiful to see. Amani didn't come in until, I want to say, right near the end of the first quarter. Uh, what can you speak to what she gave you from that point? You know, we knew that Isla was going to be a handful for her. We wanted her to see the game a little bit before we took her off the bench because we knew she was going to be on Tucker, and Tucker's a handful. You know, her mid-range game is really good. And so 
letting her see the game a little bit, um, giving her a feel for what she could do offensively. I think that that was good for her. Um, it was also because Callum and Nina were playing so well, and we put a lot of miles on Amani's legs, and she's a freshman, and you know we turn around and play Wednesday, so we don't have that much of a break, and so um, she's been tremendous down the stretch. Amani has been tremendous, and her, and her ceiling as another freshman just going to be incredible. About where you were in the season, you're one and seven. You had those two injuries, and to finish the season seven and three in the second half of the conference. What can you say about the two injuries? We've lost five kids. Yeah. We've lost I mean, five. I mean, but yeah, the knee and you know the injuries are there. But we've lost five kids since the beginning, and to be sitting in the third spot um, just as a testament to these kids and their resiliency and their moxie and just their stick to itness and every other word that I can come up with. Um, yeah, you always want a great record, but I rather be sitting third with an okay record than a great record and be sitting at eight or nine and not going at all. So um, I think it's a testament to this team how they've come together after all the adversity we've had. And uh, we've got three games. And that was Rainbow Wahine head basketball coach Laura Beeman just addressing the media following their team's 68-58 to win over UC Santa Barbara on Saturday, securing and locking up the number three overall seed coming up this week in the Big West Women's Basketball Tournament presented by the Hawaiian Islands. So they will face Cal State Fullerton on Wednesday, March 8th, and that will be at 6.30 p.m. Hawaii time for all of us that are in Las Vegas. It'll be at 8.30, so a little bit of a later game that we get to go to. There's going to just be a lot of stuff and a lot of basketball going on. We're going to try to fit in. Obviously, Big West will be priority, but also fit in some Pac-12 when I can. Although I totally did a a media fail last week. This is how much I just only pay attention to UH basketball while it's going on. And I just assumed that conference tournaments are the same time. The women's Pac-12 tournament was last week. I was over here like, I get to see my girl Haley Jones in Stanford. I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> current, which and then they got upset. So it didn't really matter anyways. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't get to see uh, St- Haley Jones in Stanford this week, but going to be like cheering on USC because I believe they play Thursday at 830. So UH men's basketball plays at 1230 Vegas time um, on Thursday. So I get to kind of squeeze in a little bit of basketball. But going back to the women. As Laura had said, like, that's something that they did this past or this game is like they really need to close out games because they have lost those overtime games and it just gets really tight down the wire and going into the championship time, especially you're the defending champs. This is going to be almost like defending your home turf. Of course, it's important to note that they did have significant losses throughout the season in freshman guard Jovi Lefotu, sophomore forward Jackie David, and redshirt sophomore guard Olivia Davis. But I mean, I feel like even when Alan and I talk about it every time on this show that, I mean, Coach Beeman, that's what makes her so good is that she always seems to get her teams playing their best basketball when it matters. And that's the common quote when you come tournament time. This is when it really matters. Yes, the Big West and the conference schedule does matter, obviously, because it's going to determine your seeding and whatnot. But if you're getting this momentum, playing your best, now you're able to close out games. This is when it's going to matter, and it's definitely going to matter against Cal State Fullerton. I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is the time that you're trying to fix all of those little things, and that's including the closing out of games. You mentioned it. This women's or this Rainbow Wahine team has struggled to close out against the top of the conference, and if you want to come up with 
another Big West championship this year. You mentioned how they're the defending champions. If you want to come up with another one, uh, you're going to have to close out those close games. And you guys heard Coach Beeman talk about it. You know, they lost to Irvine in double overtime. They lost at last second uh, to Long Beach State. Like, these are the top two teams in the conference, top two teams that they're potentially going to see here. And they had them on the ropes. It just, they were unable to finish. So, uh, 100%, it is important that they learn to finish against these good teams, against these top half of the conference teams as they head into the Big West tournament. And now they take on a team who they've taken on twice already. And they've beaten twice already. And while it is exceptionally difficult to beat a team <laughs> three times in a row, it is not impossible at all. And it is a, a team that they have, I don't want to say figured out, but they definitely know very well. So should they play to their... Uh, abilities yeah i think the the rainbow Should they show up which is always no but <laughs> that's always the question yeah and and i'm glad you brought that up because i had that too where they beat fullerton this season and relatively it was kind of a reach the first game wahine won 66 53 second game was a little closer at 60 to 54 and yes hard to beat a team three times the whole irony in this situation is Again, we won't get into too much of the men's basketball talk because that was a very, very, very irritating and sad loss that on the road to US, UCSB, 81 to 61. Yes, you heard that right. Rainbow Warrior basketball losing by 20 points, but nonetheless, we move on. <laughs> um, they had lost to UCSB in their previous matchup, but that one was a lot closer at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center, just dropping it by one. So the men also play Cal State Fullerton in their quarterfinal round. They, however, unlike the Rainbow Wahine, who beat Fullerton twice this season, the men's team lost to Fullerton twice so far this season, 79-72 and 52-51. to So... Hopefully in that situation, for sure, hard to beat a team three times. And, of course, just to remind everyone that Cal State Fullerton is also the defending Big West tournament champions after they beat Long Beach State in a close one. When I was looking at the scores, actually, last from last year, like a lot of the scores were one-point games. Hawaii had beaten, I believe it was Riverside, by one point to move on to the semifinals, uh, but in, in turn had lost to Cal State Fullerton last year in the score of 58 to 46 and Fullerton goes on to win the championship after beating Long Beach State 72-71. So it's just crazy one not only how um, both men's and women's UH teams play Cal State Fullerton in their not the first round but in their first round in the quarterfinal rounds of the tournament and how the women beat them twice this season and the men lost to them twice. So you just never know. <laughs> there are a lot of, I don't want to say parallels, but it, it, I'll call yeah. them, they'll, they're false parallels. Yeah. You know, you have uh, the, the same team you're playing against with just kind of different results. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the men respond to that 20-point loss uh, to close out the regular season. I will say, if you are going to have a bad loss, I would rather get it out of the way when it's not going to send you home for the year and uh, the Rainbow Warriors have had a phenomenal year. Uh, Cal State Fullerton's just had their number for the past year and a half, two years. It's felt like at the very least. So uh, they'll get an opportunity for some revenge here in the Big West tournament. And you mentioned all the close games last year. It wouldn't shock me to see something really similar this year. The Big West uh, came down to the last day in both the men's and the women's conferences. Um, 
four of the top four, five, six seeds mm-hmm. to really get all settled. And oh, yeah. That, out. that men's side has just been like it could have gone either way. But we will definitely get into more of a solid, uh, I guess, like a show about the particular matchups in our Wednesday and Thursday shows this week. But got to step aside. When we come back, we will get to some NFL discussions as the scouting combine happened over. Well, it started last Thursday and wrapped up over the weekend. Get you some updates on how some of our local guys did at the combine and some of the surprising observations and Paul will give us an insight to that Florida quarterback that I have no idea about, <laughs> who had, who put up the best numbers, though, by far for a quarterback in the combine. So we'll see where that goes. And also some breaking news that happened this morning in the NFL world. All of that more next on Wake Up in the Den. You're listening to Wake Up in the Den with Kule Agbayani on the all-new Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. Let's wake up in the den. Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, with you on this Monday morning, this and every weekday morning, right here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. If you're listening right now or you listen to any of our broadcasts, whether even it's local or national stuff, or you listen to some of our podcasts on HawaiiSportsRadio.com, that is why you are the most beautifulest of all the beautiful people. And we always appreciate each and every one of you, all of our million and actually Alan's not here for this. We were we were at a million and six and a half for a long time, and now we're at a million seven and a half listeners. Woohoo! Let's go. <laughs> As I ran into one of my uh, sisters from our sisterhood committee, Jules, saying that she listens, it, like if she doesn't listen to us live, she always has to listen to at least the podcast version, and that's how she stays informed with the sports. So mahalo to sister Jules for you know all the support, and again, all of you, the beautiful list of all the beautiful people. Yeah, shout to you guys. So. <laughs> All right, so going into the NFL Combine, and now we it's like football. I love it. It's like just when you thought football was over, then you just get more stuff to talk about when it comes to football. Thank you very much. So the NFL Combine happening over the last four days. As we mentioned last week, that this is kind of the time where a lot of players, like some choose not to participate in certain drills, such as uh, quarterback Bryce Young chose not to throw in the combine because a lot of times you don't want to hurt your draft stock but for a lot of players it can essentially help and we did see a lot of things happen I do want to first bring up how some of our local guys did so Nick Herbig out of Kauai and a St. Louis high school alum he also he finished around middle of the pack when it comes to defensive tackles slash edge rushers he ran the 40 in 4.65 seconds and his 10 yard split was 1.59 seconds he benched 225 pounds 25 times by the way the 10 yard split um, for those that don't know it's very important when it comes to edge rushers uh, not so much in certain positions, but and and honestly, some of these stats, they don't always translate to being a good player anyways, because you look at some of the top guys and you're like, who? Who are these receivers that I've never really heard of? Uh, but anyways, the 10-yard split is very, very important when it comes to 
edge rushers because it's essentially how quickly can you get to cover those 10 yards, which is about how much you need to get to the quarterback, essentially, or any position. So that's they they time it as they're running the 40. So some people will gain some of their top speed after they pass the 10 yards and some will have that bursting speed right away. So that's what we mean when we talk about that 10 yard split. So Again, his draft stock, by all accounts, it didn't go up or down, still could go anywhere in between the second or fifth round. You don't really know. His total score breakdown by via next-gen stats is a 76. His prospect grade is a 6.23, which translates to that he will eventually be an average starter. So again, kind of in the middle. Um, people weren't too high, nor were they too low. Again, this is for Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin via Kauai and St. Louis. But someone who did help their draft stock was the other local player that was in at the that was invited to the combine again this is invite only starting this week they will have pro days at different universities where other prospects can go and work out in front of NFL scouts uh, Princeton receiver Andre Yosivash the Punahou alum also uh, he led the Ivy League in the receiving yards but a draft NFL draft analyst Chad Reuter says that his stock talking about Yosivash has because he has a track background it wasn't surprising that he did so well in his athleticism test and really excelled his 4.43 second 40 yard dash at 205 pounds confirmed his speed as did his 39 inch vertical and 10 foot 8 broad jump his movement during drills was quite smooth for a 6 foot 3 receiver whether he was running speed outs or go routes he was late getting his hands in proper position a few times but he was still able to cradle the ball behind him to secure the catch so Yossi Vosh, he has saw seen his stock rise a little bit in this draft at that receiver position overall so that's a couple of important notes again for our local players uh, but some of the I guess surprising ones I guess not surprising to someone like Paul who says he's been following Richardson um, to me I'm like who is this guy uh, what where did he come from <laughs> <laughs> as he finished pretty much on the top. But when it goes to the draft rating, though, Bryce Young is still rated at the top at 6.82, followed by C.J. Stroud. But Anthony Richardson, who we brought up last week because it was a CBS Sports mock draft that had him going number one overall. So Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. I did not. I'm very big, you guys know, on the eye test. I don't put too much emphasis on the combine. Again, I believe it can help someone's stock, but it doesn't always translate into the game itself. Uh, but Anthony Richardson, Paul, you we were talking like yesterday, and you said you actually kind of watched a couple of Florida games. So what is it about Richardson that a lot of these, you know, quote, draft experts are high on this guy and expecting him to like overtake Bryce Young and CJ Stroud? Yeah, so when it when it comes to Anthony Richardson, he's not necessarily the most um, polished quarterback in the draft. You you look at Stroud, you mentioned both Stroud and Young, and you you see what they did throughout college, and that's why they're probably on most draft boards one and two. But you look at the physical tools that Anthony Richardson has: six foot four, two hundred and forty four pounds, thirty two uh, and three quarter inch arms. His hand size: he has over ten and a half inch hands. 
Um, you mentioned next-gen stats. He has an 82 grade in that. He grades out as a plus starter at the next level. All this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Essentially, what the Combine just showed us and why the Combine is super important for guys like Richardson is because it puts his otherworldly athleticism on display, right? He set a Combine record for quarterbacks with a 40.5-inch uh, vertical leap. Um, he set a quarterback Combine record with uh, his 40-yard dash. He ran a 4-4, uh, which was way faster than Cam Newton. It was way mm -hmm. faster than Tim Tebow. Um, basically, you take all of these really good athletes these really good quarterbacks from the past and he just kind of blew them all out of the water which is shocking and when you've seen in the past few years the nfl start to gravitate towards these quarterbacks who uh they, they aren't necessarily um at, at, like i mentioned polished coming in they're not going to come in and play uh game one and be a superstar but you put Anthony Richardson on somebody. I mentioned this like the Patrick Mahomes plan, and obviously it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, just put him on the plan that, you know, the best quarterback <laughs> in the last 20 years, you know, talent-wise mm -hmm. was on. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Richardson, his physical tools allow him to do things that are special. You know, he's allowed, or he's able to uh, run. He's able to throw the ball extra far. His accuracy is improving. He's not gotten as many starts at the college level, which was why I was a little surprised to see him come out. But Same. after all of the hype that he got with his athleticism, because I, I listened to and shout out the NFL Draft Stock Exchange um, podcast. It is, <laughs> it is an excellent podcast for any draft fans. They've been on him for months talking about how this is the guy who, physically speaking, is probably the closest thing we've seen to Cam Newton. Which is why when it comes to talking about a number one pick, it isn't necessarily the craziest thing. It, it, you ask my opinion, I think you still you see Bryce Young go number one overall. That's why it was super important for him to come in and not be historically small at the combine. He weighed in at over mm -hmm. 200 pounds. He's the same height as Kyler, you know, so that his agents can point to that and be like, oh, we're the same size as Kyler. He went number one overall. That's fine. Blah, 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 blah. Will Levis showed off his arm. CJ Stroud had the great end. But Anthony Richardson, every year, last year we got Zach Wilson, or last year, two years ago, we got Zach Wilson, um, you know, who was the combine darling, who was the pro day darling, you know, who shows off these tools that makes these NFL GMs and coaches um, really just have goo-goo eyes towards <laughs> these players, right? Um, and, and I don't want to put Richardson, because so, now I've mentioned Mahomes, and I've mentioned Zach Wilson, so kind of got both ends of the spectrum for starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Richardson, he's got the tools to do both. It's really about where he ends up. Yeah, and it's crazy, right? Because you, you're looking at him kind of like a DK Metcalf type of player, like physically, but is at the quarterback position. So if anyone can kind of think about like what we were able to see from DK Metcalf, how fast he is how athletically like just imposing he is and imagine like someone like that at quarterback because you know like like you said you you have Bryce Young who's a little on the smaller side and but same size as Kyler Murray and they they can do their awesome things that they do at that position and then you're going to have someone also though like a Richardson and then but you see DK Metcalf you know under center like you don't really ex know what's going to happen and sometimes right. some teams might be willing to take a chance on something like that if they have like a you know a head coach and offensive coordinator that want to be really really creative again I agree with you though I don't think 
any quarterback coming out of the draft, like I always believe and hope that they will sit for the full year, like you said during the break, the Patrick Mahomes plan was behind Alex Smith. And then look at, lo and behold, he's like probably the greatest we'll ever see. Uh, no offense, but yeah, offense <laughs> to Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two Super Bowls already is, is crazy. But nonetheless, we will uh, kind of look at some of the mock drafts that we see coming out, but need to take a quick break and we'll be back to wrap up with some NFL draft talk. And also forgot to tell you about the other quarterback situation that's going on currently in the NFL. We'll be back on the Hawaii sports radio network. Back to more wake up in the den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii sports radio network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. talking or recapping some of the highlights for the NFL combine that happened uh, coming up throughout the next month or so they will be host there will be pro days that happen obviously there's only a little more than 300 guys that get invited to the official NFL scouting combine but the NFL scouts will be out and about I'm going to try to make it to one of the um the scouting combines that are happening at, at being hosted by UNLV this week. So hopefully that's where I'm going to do my show from on Wednesday. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that because it, it, it does get really important because it's about 30 to 40 guys get drafted who weren't necessarily invited to the combine, but they participate in the pro day. So everything counts going out, but we mentioned it time and time again. It has to be kind of a mix of both. Obviously, you need the physical ability to keep up with the other talent in the NFL. But at the same time, you need to be able to have the smarts. you got to learn the playbook. You need to be able to run routes. I mean, that's what makes Cooper Cup such an amazing receiver that we didn't see coming is just his ability to his route running ability is just phenomenal and how he reads the defense. So all of these little things come into play to translate to becoming a very, very good NFL player. But nonetheless, scouts use these stats for the combines and the pro day to kind of put together the overall score and then that's where you get things like your next gen stats score breakdown to kind of it goes based on how former players have done in the draft and they get these production athleticism scores and total scores and then they have the prospect grade and then you just have your combine results so there's a lot of stats more and more that go into all this decision making coming up as they prepare for the NFL draft oh my gosh that's already coming up pretty soon Looking at some of the mocks, though, you just see stuff all over the place now when these combines happen. I mean, we mentioned last week where you had Richardson moving up, but I also saw, and which I like, and we talked about this during the break as well, Paul, where the Bears actually trade down twice. Uh, They trade with Houston because Houston wants to guarantee they don't want the Colts to sweep in and go to that number one spot because for a long time, a lot of mock drafts had basically Chicago moving back to the four and the Colts going up to draft their quarterback because Houston also is in dire need of a quarterback. So they want to go in front of Houston, but then you have other drafts, which yep, I a hundred percent like because after the Chicago Bears traded away all those picks for the bust that is Mitch Trubisky, um, don't get me started on that tangent. <laughs> you know, everyone who's been listening to the show for as long as you have been since the beginning, you know I've gone on that rant for a long time. But so we won't get into that. Um, but they need to get back all these picks, load up. They have a lot of cap space. So the one 
mock draft, like this is one that I was just curious and I just Googled and clicked on the first thing. Now it has the Bears still at number one, taking Will Anderson Jr., which why would you stay at number one when you can trade back? But maybe no, none of the other teams will call your bluff and they're like, you guys aren't going to draft the quarterback. Why would we give you all these picks? But for Chicago's sake, I'm glad that Will Anderson uh, from Alabama stood out as much as he did. That way they can start to kind of move away from Jalen Carter, who is just the legal situation, being a participant in the crash that killed his former teammate and a staff member out of Georgia. No matter what legally happens out of that case, you just don't want to. Yeah, you just don't want any involvement with that. So it looks like Chicago, at least in mock drafts, have kind of moved away from him and have their eye on edge rusher Will Anderson Jr., which I like. But hopefully they're able to trade back, have Houston, whether it seems like all accounts that Bryce Young will be the wherever, whoever it is, whether it's going to be Indy or Houston. Seems like Bryce Young is still the consensus number one overall draft pick or at the very least number one quarterback taken off the board, even though we're talking about, you know, some of the surprises. It seems like it's still going to be Bryce Young. People will look past his size based on just his experience and playing it at Alabama and just his skill level. Again, he did not throw at the combine, but I mean... Why why throw when they've already seen you do what you can do against the yeah. best competition? And well, he'll also, I'm sure he'll throw it as pro day as well. Yeah. He'll be able to get off that fake weight that he put on. Because <laughs> as much as I, I do love him as a prospect, Bryce Young does not weigh 204 pounds. <laughs> I do not care what his combine measurement was. That is, He's been chugging milk for weeks <laughs> so he can get to that point. Eating steaks every uh, day. Right. Like, he's going to take that weight off and then he'll perform at what he's actually going to play at. Um, I really love the idea of the Bears trading back twice, recouping those picks, because especially with Justin Fields on that rookie contract, now is that time that you really go for it. You try and put those pieces around him and see what you have. And in this draft, you have a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of quarterback-needy teams. You can see four quarterbacks go maybe in the top eight, definitely within the top 12. Uh, you've got the Panthers, the Falcons. Tennessee Titans are a sneaky one to look at because Ryan Tannehill's last year mm -hmm. uh, is non-guaranteed money, so uh, they might end up releasing him. Then you mentioned it, Jalen Carter, Will, or Will Anderson. Uh, who goes first between those two? I, out of uh, Indy, there are rumors that Tyree Wilson, the uh, edge rusher out of Texas A&M, he might end up being the first defensive player off the board, so keep an eye on that. It's it's going to be a fun one, be interesting one, and then you also have the Derek Carr news from today. Yes, thank you. Yes, for that reminder. Which was I, as you were like ending your conversation, I like looked at my screen. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell the beautiful people about that. <laughs> that Derek Carr is signing with the New Orleans Saints. Bum bum bum. So he's going over there. So that leaves up. Well, we already knew there was an opening in Las Vegas, which that's the the other thing. Going back to what we talked about, the opening or in this mock draft that I'm looking at via CBS, they have Anthony Richardson, that quarterback out of Florida. We we're talking about going to Las Vegas. It so all comes. Full it circle. all comes full circle. And Derek Carr, so four year, one hundred fifty million dollar contract with one hundred million guaranteed. Uh, so the Saints have their guy, you know, clearly moving on from Jameis Winston. Um, but 
yeah, everything is going on right now as the cap team's trying to like free up cap space. Uh, also, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard used a fra- the Cowboys used a franchise tag on him. That was kind of the big question mark as well. The tag is ten point zero nine million dollars. So you'll see a lot of stuff really come out in this situation throughout between now and the draft. That's why it'll be it'll be fun times for Paul and I. We'll be talking a lot of NFL because you have the pro days going on and then you still have teams trying to free up cap space. And then you have obviously the front office guys on the phone getting things situated like the Bears. I hope they're doing trying to be able to trade away their top pick when they don't need a quarterback, especially when the, none of these quarterbacks to me are like the game changing where you take another risk and push Justin Fields to the side. No, thank you, please. <laughs> but hopefully, again, they trade back and recoup those picks. Well, that's just a out of time. Man, that was a packed show. Uh, for Paul Breck, I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. It's been Wake Up in the Den. See you guys tomorrow. Bye.